Well, brothers and sisters, as we get ready to dive into the word, we want to bless and dismiss our children to go and learn about God in their own way. So would you extend a hand of blessing towards a child? And in a moment, we're going to say together, the Lord be with you, and they will respond with and also with you. So let's bless our children. The Lord be with you. Amen. RJ, I especially liked yours. That was very enthusiastic. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Morning, morning. It's a good morning to be in God's word together, isn't it? So I want to invite you to open your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 9. I want to give you encouragement today. While you're listening and while together we're learning through God's word, I want to invite you to learn with eyes that aren't just looking for yourself. To learn and to grow in the Lord, though that is good. But I want to invite you to look with eyes, to learn, and to pass on. One of the most common questions, like Pastor Bob said last week we get, is how do I know God's will for my life? So we're in the midst of this series. Last week, Bob talked about the heart we need to have to be tuned to God's will. And today we're talking about the ways we hear from God who's sharing his will for us. But as you do that, learn not just for yourself, but to be able to learn and pass that knowledge along to others because this is a question that has been passed down from age to age it's not going anywhere so listen and learn and expect that God will use you to pass this information on so this morning we're going to be all over God's word but we're going to start in first Kings 19 with a story from the life of the prophet Elijah so friends hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love first Kings 19 starting in verse 9 and the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. I love this passage of scripture. I might feel like a random passage to you to be starting with today. But I wanted to begin with this scripture because I think it tells us something about what we can expect when we're learning to listen with a God-tuned ear. Elijah is a prophet of Israelite. And as you can see, <laughs> he's not in a great place this morning <laughs> where we're reading. He is frustrated. The very people he has been appointed to give his life to serve are not doing so well. They're not following the Lord. And what we see here, what scholars think we're seeing here, it's a plea of Elijah for God to judge the Israelites. Elijah's like, I've had it. 
They've killed all your people. They're trying to kill me too. I'm over this, God. I'm complaining. Just, just bring down fire and brimstone, Lord. Get rid of them all. And I think Elijah expects God to be on the same page with him. But instead, God, in his tender mercy, listens to Elijah's complaint, listens to him basically saying, now what, God? They're trying to kill me too. What do I do? And God says, come stand in my presence, Elijah. And I think Elijah expects God to show up in the ways that he hoped God would judge Israel, right? Fire, this kind of destructive power is what we have seen in the Old Testament that God can do when he is judging a people. But instead, scripture tells us God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. And these awesome acts of power, that's not where God chose to reveal himself. Instead, God is in the whispers. God's in the still, small voice. And Elijah recognizes this because only when he hears the whispers, he puts his cloak over his face to shield his face from seeing the Lord because we know no man can see the Lord and live. He recognizes the presence of the Lord in the whisper, shields his face, and comes out to meet with the Lord. And God asks him the same question again. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes on to give the Lord the exact same answer, which tells us he missed the point. (laughs) He missed that God didn't reveal himself in the fire or in the wind, but in the whisper. Elijah missed it. But God goes on to give Elijah's directions. And the reason I want to start with these verses is because I think too often when we're talking about living with a God-tuned ear, listening, God, what is your will for my life? We, like Elijah, expect God to show up in big signs, in wonders, for him to to shake the house, to confirm an answer we're praying about. God, if, if this is what you want from me, just shake the house right now, God. Or we expect him to, to drop something, a sign from heaven, into our lap. Or sky riding in the sky, or for him to spell it out in our soup. This is what I want you to do. But I think the greater testimony of what we see in scripture, and the greater testimony that faithful Christians have found in their lives, is that more often than not, God doesn't choose to reveal his will to us in flashy signs. It's more of a still, small voice quiet whisper that comes in regular walking with the Lord. So if you are someone who is very afraid of missing God's will for your life, if you're thinking there's going to be this once in a blue moon sign that comes, and if I'm not looking, I'm going to miss it, have peace today, friends. God may choose to work that way, but more than not, that's not what he chooses. What we're going to see today as we dig into the ways that God gives us answers for the direction of his will is that it is more everyday answers that we find through faithful, simple, quiet, intimate walking with God. It's not a secret. It's not hard. It's simply a life lived in intimacy with the Lord that knows his voice. So when he speaks, we can hear it clearly. So this morning we're going to be looking at four different ways that God speaks to us to reveal his will. I want to say before we look at those, there are a lot of different ways that God speaks. 
We have seen it throughout the scriptures. We've seen it throughout our lives. Sometimes God does do the miraculous shaking. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. If that, I would love to talk to you about that. That is one way the Lord speaks to me, and we don't have time to go into that this morning. But if, if you feel like that's a way God speaks to you, please come talk to me. I would love to talk to you more about dreams. We know God has revealed himself in angels, in prophets. So what we're talking about this morning is by no means an exhaustive list of the ways that God speaks to us. We don't want to box God in or his voice in. But we are going to be look at four faithful main ways that we see God speak in scripture and we see God speak over the greater testament of our lives. And those four ways are this. God speaks his will to us through his word. He speaks his will to us through the spirit. He speaks his will to us through prayer, and he speaks his will to us through godly people. Those are the four ways we are going to be looking at today. So let's start off with his word, God's word, the thing that I hope all of you have in your hands right now. If you don't have it in your hands, there's one right in front of you, friends. There's one in the pews, but my encouragement to you is when we come and gather, bring your own word. Take notes. Write it down so as you study, you can look back on what God has taught you and you can remember his precious word. This is one of the greatest ways God has chosen to reveal his will to us, his people. David says this in Psalm 119. Actually, as Jordan brings it up on the screen, let's say it together because I think it's one that many of us know and hold dear in our hearts. So let's say these words together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light for our path. David, King David, the one who led armies, who led nations. King David in his humility said, my tuned ear to God's way, to understanding the will of God, is this. David, in that psalm, read Psalm 119 today if you have time. David, in that psalm, speaks for almost the entire psalm on the beauty, the goodness, and the gift that is God's word. He talks about how it keeps him on the pure path, how his word is so sweet, it's so good to his heart, it's like honey. David loves God's word, and this image we get in this scripture, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path is an image for all of our lives. As God's people, we know where we're going. Where are we going, friends? Heaven. We are going, and one day as God comes and renews the earth, heaven on earth, right? Amen. We know the way to the heavenly city that we are going, salvation in Jesus Christ. The end is not a secret. It's not obscured from us. It is a bright, glorious, golden thing awaiting us. And yet we are not there yet. We're here. In our present, in our now, and the reality of our human finiteness and of the dark world is that our path between here, where we are now, and that glorious city is dark. Jesus said it's narrow, right? Narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. So we know where we're going and we know where we are, but the path in between, we do not know. And yet, what does David say to us here? Your lamp. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. In God's word, he has revealed to us 
everything we need to know to light our way, to keep our feet lit, to make sure we are on that narrow path as we journey to the heavenly city. I don't know if you know about lamps in, in the first century. They weren't bright. They aren't the bright LED big lights that we use to light up football stadiums on Friday night where everyone can see. A lamp in the first century was very small. It didn't give off a lot of light. It gave off just enough light for people to be able to see what they needed to do, but not much more than that. I want you to imagine that kind of light that David is saying. He has to hold it close so he can see his footsteps on this dark path. When we live in God's word, the word that his people have cherished for so long, it lights our next step. You don't know where the journey is in five years. God didn't give you a lamp that bright. You don't need to know. <laughs> Maybe he'll reveal it to you, but more often than not, I find he doesn't. But as we walk faithfully day by day in God's word, he shows us the next step and the next step and the next step. And it keeps our feet on the path. And as soon as we put that word down, it's really easy to wander off that path when we don't have that light. I find people often ask the question of what is God's will for me, but their Bibles are dusty. This is a compass for us, friends. Open up your Bible, find God's way for you, his law, his way, his love, the way to salvation, it's all in here. There's a reason he gave it to us and preserved it over time and generations. This is the gift from God to his people. Your Bible dustier than your PlayStation controller? Is your Bible dustier than your phone or your iPad or your TV screen? Is your Bible dustier than your guitar strings or your piano keys or your soccer balls? We have this for a reason, but I think so many of us have fallen out of love with it. I want to just share a quick story from my own life recently. I met with my discipleship group. A little while ago and I, I was just in a place where I was struggling to be connected to God's Word and I told my discipleship group I said I don't feel like God is going to speak to me through the Word so I'm having a really hard time reading through it and that was honest that's where I was it wasn't a good place for me it was really hard but I had stopped expecting God to speak through his word and so I no longer had a desire like I used to to be in it day in and day out and then Kurt and I talked about it. And we, we said we need more accountability in our lives. We need to be in the word. We know what's true. And so we committed to a chronological one-year read through the Bible plan. And I have to tell you, since January 1, my, my fire has been lit for the word again. How foolish was I to think that when I opened this, God would not speak. Hebrews 4 tells us the word of the Lord is alive and is active. That means it can speak to me, Laura Dilly, right where I am today. It's not just ancient words. If it were, it would still be good. But it's life that God can speak applying to your life where you are, the circumstance you're seeking his will on right now. God can use the word to do that. And my prayer is that our Bibles will never be dustier than the other things in our lives. But that we would cling to this like David did as our path for life. Here is where God has revealed his will for our lives. And here in this living and active word is where he will keep revealing it fresh 
and anew to where we are today. The second way that God speaks to us is through his Holy Spirit. Listen to these good words from Jesus Christ. In John 14, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Who cannot accept him? The world. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives in you and will be with you. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. How does God speak to us when we are saying, God, show me your will. Show me your way, Lord. What do you want from me? The Holy Spirit inside of you. If you are in Jesus Christ, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's word is trustworthy and true, and no promise of Jesus Christ has fallen. So we know that this is true. If you are in Christ, you have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that Holy Spirit will teach. He will guide. He will instruct you in the truth. Brothers and sisters, that voice inside of you is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And we need to be in tune with him so we can receive direction for God's will in our lives. The Apostle Paul knew this. Look at me, Acts 20. This is such a cool passage. Acts 20, verses 22 to 23. Paul is trying to discern where God wants him to go and bring the good news. And this is what he says. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. So what compelled Paul to go? The Holy yeah, the Holy Spirit. He didn't know where God wanted to send him, but he felt inwardly that inexplicable nudge that is the Holy Spirit compelling him. Compelling is a strong word to use. He wasn't just like, uh, maybe. <laughs> compelling, urging, pushing him on. This was an undeniable voice that, that Paul felt inside of him. Something is pushing me to go to Jerusalem, and I know this voice to be God, so I will go. He knows the same spirit tells him he's going to face what? Yeah, it's not going to be a great road. He's going to face prison and he's going to face hardship. That same spirit, though, is speaking truth to him and saying, this is the road I have for you. If any of you felt that nudge of the spirit, that compelling of the spirit, we are in trouble if only two of us have ever felt that nudge or compelling of the spirit. Okay, five of us. We're having a, we're having a talk about the Holy Spirit after church today, friends. But that verse we read in John said the world doesn't know him. For those who are in Christ, have you ever tried to explain that nudging of the Spirit to them? For those who, who don't know the Lord, it's, it's impossible, right? But I want to encourage you, if you are in Christ, to start listening, to start being in tune with that nudge of the Holy Spirit. And that starts by being in the Word. It starts by listening. It starts by actively seeking this. And we will be compelled as Paul was and guided by the Spirit. It goes on to say in, verse, uh, in chapter 21, it says, After Paul had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He took Paul's belt, tied Paul's own hands and feet with it, and says, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Someone else 
Another Christian was compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Paul and to warn him again, this is what's going to happen to you. Compelled by the Holy Spirit. He felt the Holy Spirit saying, go to Paul and show him what will happen. Have you felt compelled by the Holy Spirit? There was a time in my life where I felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, and it's going to seem like such a silly thing, but it led me on such a wonderful adventure. I was working at Camp Geneva, and I was registered for my master's in social work, social work program at Grand Valley. And I had given my testimony at a board meeting, and I got a letter three days later in the mail while I was working at Geneva from a random lady who heard my testimony. I didn't even know her name or her face. And she said, Laura, I, I think I should tell you that you should go to Western Seminary for their dual track program, a program that lets you get your master's in social work and your master's in divinity, which is what you need to become a pastor. And I laughed out loud. I wasn't, I wasn't spending any more money. Grand Valley was expensive enough. I was not going to add seminary on top of that. Plus, I was at a time in my life where I was like, I don't know about this woman in ministry thing. If you ever want to talk about that, I'd love to talk to you about it. But there are a lot of reasons I was like, ain't going to happen. So I laughed about it, put the letter in my pocket, and went into dinner. But on my way in, I ran into my friend Kelsey, and she was like, okay, we should pray about this. And I was like, oh, okay. So we prayed about it, and then I put the letter back in my pocket and went back inside. And as I walked into the dining hall that night, I felt compelled by the Spirit. I felt him so clearly say in my heart, Laura, be intentional about where you sit at dinner tonight. And I remember thinking that's dumb. And that should never be your first response to the Holy Spirit. But that's usually my first response to the Holy Spirit is that's dumb. So do better than I do, Orchard Hill. But I remember thinking, okay, well, it was one of those moments I couldn't deny that I knew. I would not come up with that in my head. I should be really intentional about where I sit at dinner again for the 1,000th time tonight. So I saw my friend Andrew, and I thought he's going to be a good person to bounce this letter off of. So I sat next to Andrew, and Andrew was in rapt conversation with the person on the other side of him for the whole night. So the way our seating was, was set up, it was just me and this other person next to me, and that was the only option to talk through this I had. And he was a middle-aged man I had never met in my life. The only reason he was at Geneva was because he was doing the elementary chaplaincy program that week. So I had no, I didn't even know his name. But I thought, okay, God, you nudged me. You compelled me here. So I looked at him and said, hello. My name is Laura, and I know this is strange, but I know you're a pastor and a chaplain, so can I please talk to you about the letter I just got? So I told him all about my letter. And he listened to me drone on for like five full minutes about why I thought this was the dumbest idea in the world. He said, it's this dual track program at Western Seminary. I don't even know what that is. And at the end of all of it, he just smiled at me. And he said, Laura, do you think God does crazy things sometimes? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and he said, hi. My name's Dan. And I'm one of the two professors that runs that program at Western Seminary. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> and a long story short, God used that simple nudge in my heart. Simple nudge that said, Laura, be intentional about where you sit at dinner tonight. To lead me here. I wouldn't be here. I don't think without that nudge, without that wow, wow movement that could only be the leading of the Holy Spirit showing me his will. So friends, if you're not sure what the voice of the Spirit sounds like, start getting in the word. Ask 
someone, ask a mentor, a friend to start teaching you how to listen. And the next thing, the next way that God speaks to us, but the next thing you can do to tune your voice to the Holy Spirit is to pray. These things, I hope you're catching on. These things aren't like some flashy, sexy things that we do as Christians. It's just a long obedience in the same direction that tunes our hearts and our ears to hear what the will of God is. Prayer is one way we learn the voice of the Spirit. Listen to this testimony from Acts. It's about a man named Cornelius who's praying. And it says this. Cornelius gives this testimony of the way he's, he saw God move through prayer. He says, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shiny clothes stood before me. While he's praying, an angel comes before him. The angel said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. Have you ever had your prayer interrupted by an angel and had someone say, God has, Dan, God's heard your prayer. Marlene, God has heard your prayer, right? But this is the example we're given. Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Now he gives him instructions. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. We know the story goes on. God uses this interaction between Cornelius and, and, and Peter to show the world that salvation has come to the Gentiles and not just the Jews. Cornelius is praying, and God shows up with an answer. God shows up with more than just an answer. God shows up and says, Cornelius, this is my will. Go do it. Do you think he was obedient? Yeah, yeah we know he was, because this is the testimony he's giving to tell Peter what's going on. Peter's like, why am I here? And Cornelius is like, because I'm being obedient to the voice of God that I heard in prayer, okay? This is beautiful, friends. If you want to know how to hear God's will, if you want to know how to start discerning the voice of the Lord, get on your knees and start praying. The way the angel responds to Cornelius, this isn't Cornelius' first time praying. This is a familiar conversation between him and God. And while we may not be given an answer by an angel, maybe we will. There's no reason to think we wouldn't. But God answers us in our prayer. So many times I have sat in listening prayer, a practice I find that we could really grow in together at Orchard Hill. A time where, as a conversation, which is what prayer is, I'm not just talking to God, but I'm listening. I set aside time to just sit and listen, and I'm ADD, so I have to set an alarm on my phone. But I just sit and I say, God, this time is yours. Speak. And I have found that God is faithful in those times, like he was faithful to Cornelius to answer my prayers, to show me his will in the most subtle and the most obvious ways through his spirit speaking to me in those times. Is prayer a regular part of your rhythm? Is listening prayer, giving God space in the conversation, a regular part of living with a God-tuned ear in your life because it's here that scripture shows us God reveals his will for us. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, get on your knees and pray. And the last thing we're going to look at this morning, again, not the last way that God speaks to us, but the last one we're going to look at today is godly advice from godly people. Godly advice from godly people. 
there is testimony all over scripture of God revealing his will, setting up establishments, God doing powerful things through godly counsels given to people in need. So, for example, Moses is trying to figure out, how do I set up a system of justice with the Israelites now that we're out of Egypt? And his father-in-law, who's a God-fearing man, Jethro, comes and says, you messed this up, bro. Let me show you a better way how to do this. And Jethro comes in and helps Moses establish a much more efficient system that works for God's people. The prophet Nathan comes to Bathsheba and literally says, let me give you some life-saving advice. And then he goes on to do just that. This advice, this godly advice given from godly people is all over scripture. But I think one of my favorite, most simple, plain ways it's said in the scripture is from Paul in Colossians 3. He's writing to the church in Colossa, and this is what he says to them. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. The word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Paul is saying, you're in the word. Be in the word. Let it dwell in you richly. So as you do life together, because we're the church, that's who we are, we do life together. As you do life together, as you talk together, as you walk together, as you struggle together, as you, as you experience joy and sadness together, you can speak godly truth into each other's lives. You can teach. You can admonish, which can mean encourage or can mean rebuke in love and say, no, I think you've got this wrong, friend. Let's look at it from a different angle. Paul is saying this is who we are as Christians. When we're rooted in the word, we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can give good, godly counsel and advice to each other. Now, we have to be careful about this because, uh, for example, one of, one of the people I love and trust most in the world has given me some of the best godly advice in my life that has led me right for years and years. And then one day they looked at me and they said, you know what, I think you should date this person. No. This person was not a, I love this person dearly. This person was not a believer. This person that gave me this advice had clearly not prayed through this. They didn't know what was going on behind the scenes in their lives. And for lots of other reasons, we would have been a disaster together. And so you have to be careful, right? Who has ever gotten bad advice from someone in the church? Yeah, I think every hand should be raised at this point, right? God's people can mean well, but when we haven't prayed through something, when we haven't seriously considered what the Spirit is saying to give an answer, we need to be careful. But God has given each of us his Spirit. And when we're in the Word and filled with that Spirit, we can give godly counsel. So yes, ask your friend, ask your mentor, ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your coach, ask your teacher, ask your pastor, ask your parent. That's a good one. But I implore you, church, ask them last. There's a reason I put this point last. It's because I think too often we put this point first in our lives. We come to this crossroads and we go, God, I, I don't know what to do. I need your direction. And our first instinct is to pick up the phone and call our sister. To, to go to church and talk to the pastor. To ask that person in your life, maybe your spouse, who you trust most, what they think. And instead, where should we be going first? To God. Scripture tells us that God is good. 
Jordan, will you go back to that slide that I had at the beginning with all those different scripture passages on it? It starts with, if any of you lacks wisdom. We're not going to read through all these, but I just want you to consider them. Our God is good. His desire is not to make his will obscure. He doesn't want you to have to battle through tons of lies of Satan to figure out what his will is. God invites us, calls us, declares that we should come in and ask him, God, what is your will? And he tells us when we do that, when we do that with, his, with the right heart as his people, he will make it clear. Look at that Jeremiah 33 passage. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God promises to answer us, and he's going to tell us stuff we don't know. Why wouldn't I go to God? Why wouldn't I go to him first? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The God of the universe, like Bob said last week, our good shepherd, wants his sheep to know his voice. He wants to commune with you, his children. He wants to show you the way. He's not playing hide and seek. He has put his will out there clearly. So friends, look at this. Look at these verses as an invitation from God saying, come. I want you to know I can be found and his will can be found. This is the good news that God's will can be found. Um, have you ever gotten a call from an unknown number? Well, yeah, what do you usually do? Yeah, you block it. Okay, so let's put that away for a second. Let's pretend you are a weirdo that answers calls from unknown numbers. And you get a call from an unknown number and you answer it and you say, hello. And all you hear back on the other friend, on the other line is this. Hey friend, how are you? Or hey Bob, how are you? Hey Kenzie, how are you? Hey Mankel, how are you? Whose voice would you know? Someone calls you on an unknown number and says, hey, how are you? And that's the only indicator you get. Whose voice would you know? I think I would know Kurt's voice. I hope I would know Kurt's voice. We spend a lot of time talking to each other and listening to each other, right? Whose voice would you know? Your friends, your spouses. Your, your moms, your dads, your sons, your daughters, your best friends, those people that are really sick of getting calls from you probably, right? You would know their voice, and why would you know it? You hear it enough times, right? You have spent decades, years, hours talking to them. You know their voice. If you want to know God's will, we have to listen with a God-tuned ear, meaning we have to know his voice. So friends, do you know his voice? And as we go through this series, I think the continuous invitation for us is to spend time in these ways, in the word, in prayer, getting in tune with the spirit, being in community with other godly people, to get to know the voice of the good shepherd. And in that, find his will for our lives and find that it's not such a struggle tooth and nail but in those consistent, intimate times with God, he makes it apparent to us. We know the voice of the Lord. We're going to move into a time right now that's really just going to give you space 
to spend time listening for just that, the voice of the Lord. And it's going to be a space of silence for a little bit, and then the worship team is going to sing a really special song for us, asking that God would speak to us and would speak his truth to us. So I just want to invite you to, to spend these next few moments listening for the voice of the Lord. Let's pray as we go into that time together. Heavenly Father, we long to hear from you. We long to know what you want for our lives. Where we should go, what we should do, who we should marry, what we should pursue. And God, we stand in, in holy fear before you, asking you to make that clear because we want to honor you. God, would you forgive us for the times that we have made it more complicated than it needs to be? For the times we have looked to things that aren't you for direction. And God, in this space now, would you invite us to meet with you? Would you speak in such a way that we can hear from you? And would you teach us, your people of Orchard Hill, how to hear your precious and your good voice? So meet with us in this space, Father. We give it to you. Would you speak and would you show us your way?